You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us. Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy, and surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. Yeah, probably true. Probably true. Well, we said we we're going to talk more about um, the spiritual nature of surfing today. Did you have any yes. ideas to kick us off? I've been meaning, I've actually been meaning to write something for a long time on this, and I haven't quite gotten there yet. I wrote something, I wrote my first thing about surfing a couple of weeks ago, and then it wasn't even what I was planning. I wrote this totally different thing, and it ended up being a tribute to the person who was the godfather literally of surfing in Israel. He brought the first surfboard over here. Um, and it was right as, um, it was an amazing thing because his whole thing was that he wanted to bring surfing here so that he could actually have an Israeli team on the world championship leagues, right. on the, on the world tour. And, um, it never came to fruition, but as I was writing this, the first Israeli was competing in the world championship tour and made it to the semifinals. And then in their second contest made it to the quarters and it, and it was she who made it. It's an And I just was like, he would so be proud that right now that, that Israel has made it onto that, that, that stage. Oh, yeah. uh, but no, so about, about spirituality. Well, I mean, I think I personally have had my own sort of experiences, which were spiritual within the surfing realm, like on a personal level, um, the, I had this, the, there was a one, this one time where I didn't, I didn't know why, but I was surfing and it was very small and it shouldn't have been a very interesting session of any kind. It should have been very blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for some reason it ended up being really just, everything was just connecting. All the dots were connecting, even though it wasn't big, it was probably a foot to two foot. And I was riding my longboard, which is all you want to ride when it's a foot to two foot. I just, it was like an amazing thing. And I, and I, as I was doing that, as I was surfing at that point, I was really contemplating on whether or not to become a rabbi. Hmm. And for some reason, I just sort of knew, I don't know why, but you know, it's probably why it's always hard to explain these sort of revelatory. I just knew that this was God's way of sort of pointing me in that direction. You know what I mean? And I just, I got very emotional. It was a very sort of, I, I sat down on the beach afterwards and just sort of was like okay i get it and that was sort of one of the things that pointed me in the direction of of being a rabbi i know you said last our last time that you know you never had those sorts of moments and i don't think i had many past that but that was that was the first Hmm. um when i when i think of um how i the you know uh, spirituality and surfing it's um, less about faith and religion and more about like an immense connection to something that's like eternal and powerful. Like when you're just sitting even outside and bobbing on the waves, I mean, you could feel it in your legs and it's just this massive beast that can throw you at any minute. And uh, you're just, you know, at one with it. You, you have to completely surrender and you, you, you can't help but, you know, if you're not terrified, you can't help right. but feel um a sense of peace and gratitude and connection with 
this massive ocean. You know, it's the largest body in the world and it's beyond our control. It could, you know, it could calm you down or kill you at any minute. And uh, you just got to succumb to it if you're able to paddle out there. So the, what's interesting about that is we, we, you know, you know, the saying there's no atheist in the foxholes, right? Yeah, right. But there's also, I mean, surfers have a saying, there's no atheist in the impact zone. The mm-hmm. impact zone is the spot in between where when you started to paddle out and the waves are sort of breaking either right on top of you or you're just in from where they're breaking and you haven't yet broken through and gotten to the spot past where the waves are breaking. And the impact zone, when it's, when it's big and you are start to turn back around to paddle back out and you are staring down a wave that's Coming like at your face. Yeah. <laughs> I always explain to people when they first start to surf, like, by the way, it will always feel bigger to you when you're when you're paddling because yeah. you're only a foot tall. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're laying down on your board. And you're, you're laying down. Yep. Right. And I said, so the wave could be, you know, three feet and it could feel massive to you because you're so small at that moment. And when you stand up on the wave, you go, oh, OK, well, this isn't as huge as I thought it was. But when it really is big and you turn around and you and you go, oh, and you stare that thing down. Really, I think it teaches you two things. One, it, I personally think it can, it can sort of drive you to faith, even if you're not a person of faith. But two, I have always said that if I wanted to work with, I don't know, at-risk youth or something, I would take them surfing because I would, I would want people to know. That's what I, I always think. Yep. It's not only the humility, but it also shows you that I am now in a situation that I have to deal with. I can't go run and call somebody on my cell phone. I can't look it up in the internet. I can't just turn around and call it quits. I am stuck in the middle of a situation that I have to deal with. And yeah. it's, it's, extremely, it's extremely humbling. At the same time, it can be extremely empowering because when you survive that situation, even though you might not have been in a death-defying situation, you are now, you come out the other side and go, oh, look, I can do that. Yeah. I made it out of that. That reminds me, we um, we used to run a, a day camp in inner city, New Haven, Connecticut. And it's only five miles from the ocean. But we found out that most of the kids had never even been in the ocean. So wow. one of the field trips, we rented a um, couple buses, you know, loaded them up in buses. And in New Haven in the summer, it was July and it was like 95 plus and super humid. So you're just sweating your butt off. You get to the beach and we've got, you know, 90 plus inner city kids um, who've never been to the ocean. And you can't help but feel the the sense they're immediately like they're these hard built up kids whose parents are either abusive or drug dealers. or um, You hear a lot of just terrifying stories of things that happen to kids that age. Um, we're dropping them off at their homes usually in, in um, terrifying neighborhoods and places that no white person should actually be with, you know without these kids. Right. You know, one time this 14 year old told me, you, you know, the only reason you're not getting jumped right now is because I'm with you. And I was like, yeah, and I appreciate you not leaving me right now. <laughs> if you could hang out for a couple more minutes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, we take these kids in this hard knock life and um, put them on the beach and they suddenly, like, they, they light up. I mean, the sand alone, um, they don't know how to walk in it. They're all flopping around. They've got, you know, Air Jordan sneakers that they got to figure out how not to get sand in. And so they, you know, they strip down and immediately we got these like six year old kids in fully clothed, take off from the bus right to the ocean and waves were, were probably head high 
And so there, it's not a huge, but it was one of those like really tight beach breaks. So it would just, it would just mound up about, you know, 10 feet from the shore, take a short break and then slam down on the ground. Right. Um, And so these kids were just running right into it. And I'm all, I'm running after them just in terror. Like these kids are going to break their neck. I'm like, Oh no. And they'd run right face first into this wave and get smacked down on the sand and then I, I was, you know, I'm running towards them, like thinking I'm going to have to do CPR or something on these kids. And they're laughing hysterically and another another wave's pounding them in the face or in the mouth and they're choking on water and laughing all the way. See, they, but that's, that's that moment. Like if you are teaching surfing, right, and you see somebody who really gets the bug, it doesn't matter. They could, they could get, you could push them into a wave in a totally wrong spot. Watch them go <laughs> face first into the sand and like full mouth of sand and they come up like do it again yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. they yeah. love but so, there, i mean there's something that brings out that that sense of you know both terror and playfulness like you said in the impact zone i've never felt more terrified you know paddling i've i've actually never i don't i don't get a couple of times definitely on massive waves but um i don't get that that scared paddling into a, the face of a wave I get scared when guys are trying to surf that wave and they're, you know, so they're paddling into the wave and they're coming down at me because you have like some, you have like inches to get around each other and you got to figure out, okay, is this guy going to go right or left? And you just feel out and you you know, if it's a good surfer, you could tell nine times out of 10, which way they're going, just how the waves break in. But you always get one idiot. Somebody once in a while is going to, you know, take a left into the, splash zone and, and you go you know you go that direction and then your head you get that board straight to the face and it's i know i, I the, the funny part is i was i was once actually in um in one of the areas here in israel surfing and um what you what you what they tell you to do like when i'm learning when i was learning to surf and when i was first surfing in california they say if you see somebody coming at you like that flip over let the board take the impact but no yeah. surf do that like like that's my board you know what i mean like that i'm not gonna let my board take the impact i will take it to the side of my head and like so there was a guy once was surfing right next to him and he was i was in position it was my wave clearly it was my wave but he was pushing me i'm a local you know yeah, yeah. And I, so i didn't say a word i let him go right in front of me but instead of just taking off he swung back before he went and and you know he swung back to the left which is where i was and then took a hard right but when he swung back left, he almost hit my board. So I pushed him to keep him away from me. And we both fell in the water. And he comes up and he's screaming at me. And I said, Dude, you, our board's almost hit. He goes, I don't care about my board. And I was like, well, then you are not a surfer, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, something is wrong with you. And you should get your head examined. I mean, that did, is just. Did you ever see someone actually do the uh, the, the turtle when they flip over and their, their sure. board's? I, I never do. You, have you do, you do you do that? I don't do that one. If I'm out if I'm out on a bigger day and I'm out with my longboard, for sure. The turtle is actually a really good method to not get too um, pushed by the wave because what happens is that the wave sort of just runs over the top of your board, and you pretty much stay in the spot where you are. Um, but it, it takes a good amount of time. So if the swell period is short, which means that the waves are closer together, right. you might not have enough time to flip back flip onto your board back, yeah. and start paddling again. So you could just get 
where you are. But yeah, that's that that method works. It does work better than the uh, duck dive. You like that better than no 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 no. Only with the longboard. The long that's the thing with a longboard. You can't duck dive the longboard. It's so buoyant that you. I've seen one person in my life who I've known who's duck who's been able to duck dive a longboard. And what you have to do is you have to take the board as it's sort of laying flat where you would Slide lay it on your chest. Yeah. And you have to turn it all the way to the side and then stick it in and then turn it back flat and then go under yourself. I, I, I saw him do it and I was like, I don't understand how you just did that. He's like, oh, it's easy. He was Australian. You know, he's like, you know, that's easy. And I was like, no, it's what you just did is so hard. And he, he was able to do it. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think I can duck dive things much over seven feet. Um, but back on the spirituality thing, one of the things that I find really interesting vis-a-vis Judaism is that as you were talking about like nature and being, you know, connected to something larger than you and eternal and all these things, what's amazing is there are two things in my life that I'm, that sort of immerse me in nature and what's going on around me. One is surfing, right? I can, I know what time the sun is coming up. I know, you know, how, you know, when the sun is going down, I know all these sorts of things about the tides and everything that's going on in the natural environment around me, because I'm connected to and want to know what the waves are doing, because when the tide gets lower, the waves change. And when the tide gets higher, it's a little different. And if it's mid-tide, right, all those things are influence the waves. And, this, and the same is true for the Sabbath. All, every day of the week, it could be doing anything under the sun. I wouldn't even be paying attention necessarily to what time the sun is going down. But when, when it comes to holidays and the Sabbath, I know everything about the day. I know when the sun goes down. I know when the sun is coming up. I, I know all these things about nature. So it's a really nice connection between the two things. Um, I've always loved that. Um, and I have this whole theory. This is a, a totally different theory on um, a connection between big wave surfing and um, and actually living a, a, spirit, a religious life. Um, because when you live a religious life, uh, and you pray as we've talked about three times a day, right? As we do, it can sort of become so mundane and monotonous, right? And then there are these moments where all of a sudden you have a real connection and things are at like a real spiritually high level. Could be, could be that some something you know special is going on in your life. Could be that um, someone has, God forbid, died, right? But those are the moments where the the prayer has sort of paid off for you that the prayer is so part of who you are and what you're doing that you don't have to focus on, Oh, what page are we on and what words am I supposed to say right now? And and what do those words mean? It just, it's a very sort of, it's an extension of who you are. And when it comes to big wave surfing, that's the way the big wave surfers describe their life. Everything in their life, every day, all day, every year builds up to that moment comes and although all year long they might be either surfing or some of these guys actually go under, you know, into the ocean underwater, pick up a boulder and walk with it for as far as long as they can. So they're able to hold their breath for longer, you know, in strength and endurance. They're really only doing that and all this training all year long just to be able to surf a couple of swells a year, which come maybe a handful of times if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so the, the whole way of being in Judaism of constantly working and, and making sure you're a finely tuned spiritual being is the same thing that they're doing. It's just on a physical level that they are a finely tuned physical being so that they can surf the waves. So do you remember your, the first wave you surfed? 
I don't remember the first wave I ever sur- I ever caught. I remember the day very well, and I remember the first wave I ever rode. That I can tell you. What I mean by that is I, I was, you know, playing around in the whitewater for probably a, a good number of years, probably three or four years, you know, just catching whitewater and riding it, you know what I mean, and able to stand up. So those sorts of things didn't really register for me. Um, the first day I surfed, um, I had been the summer before I had gone to North Carolina for a hang gliding camp, believe it or not, <laughs> like everybody does. <laughs> so I went to this hang gliding camp and we actually stayed on a campsite that was right on the water and you could, you know, they would let us just go swim in the ocean whenever we wanted when we weren't hang gliding. Um, and then there was a sandbar way outside from where we were. And a couple of guys came one day and they were surfing and I swam all the way out with one of the other campers and we were checking it out. And that was it. Like I saw that and I was like, these guys look like they were flying. And I was like, I have to do this. And I sort of forgot about it. And I don't know if it was that, that summer or the summer after that we were in Cape May, New Jersey. And my parents, um, saw this like hut, you know, where they rent everything under the sun, boogie boards, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, there's a, you can rent a surfboard over there. You want to try it? I said, absolutely. Tried it, got up on like, you know, really quickly and like talk about the bug, got it right away. That was it. That's all I ever wanted to do from that moment on. The next day we got there when the, when the shop opened, I got the board at nine and I surfed straight until five o'clock in the afternoon. And my parents had to like tr- drag me out of the water. And when they finally got me out, I was like, food, <laughs> Things like breakfast house, like, like Kobayashi, like five hot dogs in a row, you know what I mean? Like just threw them down. Um, and so that was definitely the first day. I remember that vividly, but the first wave I ever caught was when I went to, um, surf in at the Pascuit surfing camp, which is the doc Dorian Pascuitz was the one who brought this, brought surfing to this country, to Israel. Um, and then I, I just, you know, didn't know anything about the guy, but went surfing there. Um, it was the surf camp that I saw advertised in the magazine. And I thought, Hey, I want to go surfing in California. And at some point during my time that I was there, I caught a wave on a, on a longer board. So it was a little more, it was a little more, um, you know, able to ride the wave. And I took off on this wave and I can just remember seeing it was like, just like perfect. There wasn't a drop of water out of place. There was nothing on it, no white water, no nothing. And I just crew, I was just riding right down the face of it. It was exactly where I was supposed to be. And that was it. I was like, Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) And I mean, that was like, I was, I was like, it was totally the best. What about you? You remember the first wave you ever got? Oh, definitely. I, so I and I grew up in the water and you know boogie boarding and uh, skimboarding and stuff and uh, so I didn't pick up a surfboard till I was like 16 and but I was good I mean at that point I already knew the water well enough you know I think right. some things people don't realize is just how much you get a, a feel for waves and the motion underneath the surface of the water you know a lot of people are watching but we're actually feeling you know, kind of like, like a good, someone who's been in the water long can feel they're like, oh, a set's coming. And you look around, you don't, you look around and you don't, nobody sees anything, but then within a couple seconds, you know, coming in, there's three or four rolling. So, uh, so I knew waves, I knew how they broke. I was one of those boogie boarders who had like fins and can spin and, 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 um, 
And I liked it because I liked doing that long enough because it was, you could do it on a mushy day. You could do it on a big day. Sure. Um, sure. You can, you know, you can, you can paddle out into anything. I felt like I, I felt safer on a boogie board. Um, so when I first picked up a surfboard when I was 16, I remember being somewhat terrified because it was much bigger and I didn't know where to like be on the board. I was also, you know, I went from five, nine to six, two in like an afternoon. So I was like, these lanky arms were uncontrollable right. and right. didn't know what to do with them. Boogie board and you just sit sure there. You were talking about the board or your body when you said no, you went no. from five, nine to six, two. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, you changed boards? Oh, I got a tiny board. Um, so, so it took me, it actually took me a while because I was paddling, sur- trying to surf on these days that were, you know, bigger for Rhode Island. Um, and, and just good. Get for those it. who are out there listening, Rhode Island can get some very big waves. Oh, it can cook. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I, I saw when I was in when I was in college. I think it was our last, maybe my last year. We had a we had a, a season of hurricanes that lasted. I mean, we had waves almost every day for two months, mm-hmm. and I saw shots. There was a guy who was like a professional photographer from Surfing Magazine came to Ruggles Newport and took shots of a guy surfing out there. I think by himself, and it was over 18 feet. It was yeah, huge. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. So they, they get, they get big days. You got, you kind of got to keep a keen eye on the weather and swells and stuff, but, uh, yeah, they're come. So I, I was, you know, I was paddling out in bigger days. I was hitting waves in places that I had, you know, you're not going to pop and, and ride. You're just going to, you know, mush down, let the wave pass you. So I had to get a sense of it. So it took a while and I was so frustrated, but I remember when I did it was a little mushier um waves weren't you know chest high at at most so they weren't big at all but um i was just out there goofing off and i had an eight plus foot board just a you know one of those uh, egg shapes we had talked about and i remember just you know kept kept trying to paddle in and every time i tried to pop i just pushed the board down into the water and sink it or uh (laughs) you know pop too far back and the you know front end of the board would just kick out Um, and then somehow I just, you know, I found the right spot, paddled in a bit and said, let me try one of these mushier ones and paddled into it and popped up and everything just clicked. And it wasn't one of those waves that I'm, I'm proud of, you know what I mean? And anybody watching is like (laughs) that kook just paddled into the sloppiest wave I've ever seen, but I got it and everything felt right in that moment. And since then, and I, I also knew as I was on the wave, I immediately felt the sense of peace. But then I was like, okay, now what do I do while I'm riding it? You know what right, I mean? Right. And I don't think there's, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was discontent. It was like, oh, I want more. Like, right. okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm one with this board. Um, yeah, I still remember exactly where I was. I was at uh, Narragansett Town Beach. I was pushed down oh, in, the, in, the, in the private section where you're like, it's like frowned upon to surf, but. It was too cold for people to be on the water anyways. So nice. Yeah, I still remember it very vividly. I can tell you mostly so everything to, going on. I try to explain to people the whole thing that happens when you surf. Like, so I, I spent a good deal of time. I taught surfing in Malibu and I taught surfing in uh, Santa Cruz. And to try to explain to people, number one, what you were talking about, like you have to have a certain level. Like so if people are coming to learn, I would always say like, okay, what have you done sport wise? And if they told me they were like really active sport wise, I'd say, okay, you probably, you know, you're, you're a fit person. You're probably going to have a good shot at this. 
The other thing I would say is how much time have you spent in the water, right? And not yeah, that's the ocean, not even necessarily the ocean. Like if you've never functioned on a watercraft before, like you've never paddled a canoe, you've never been in a rowboat, you know what I mean? You're not going to have a sense of like, how do I move this thing? How does this thing move? Right. Yeah, true. And then you add into it the fact that you're, it's not like a skateboard ramp, right? It moves. It is moving and changing the entire time. And one of the most amazing things I've ever heard someone talk about like surfing huge waves is he said, it's just like snowboarding, except the mountain is coming to get you <laughs> and you have to, you have to outrun the mountain. Like it's almost like an avalanche, avalanche but at the same yeah. time, you can't get out of the way of it. You have to keep using that right. mountain to keep going. So if you out, you can't outrun it. You can't, you know, you can't just go away from it. You have to use it to its ability to ride it until its end. It's an amazing thing. And so I was once teaching when I, I think actually when we spent some time together, when I came to Berkeley, I, um, I was at, uh, the synagogue in Berkeley and, and a guy came up to me and said, Hey, can we come, we're coming down to Santa Cruz. I heard from the rabbi announced from the from the, um, at the end of the prayer service that, you know, all the people who were visiting and he said, and, and, you know, he's visiting because he's teaching surfing in Santa Cruz. And they came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, can we come learn to surf? I said, sure. That was the father of the family he came with in his, Santa Cruz. They wanted his, to come down to Santa Cruz. Correct. But these were, this was a family of people who like they, how do I explain it? Like it, when we talk about, you know, the orthodoxy that I am a part of, they were more to my right. So the kids probably spent their entire lives studying in like a yeshiva or a day school type setting, right? And they are not known for their basketball skills or their, <laughs> right? That's not what the yeshiva students are known for. They're known Jews, for- Jews aren't known for their basketball skills? I actually, no. And, uh, and also you should know the word yeshiva just means to sit. That's what they're known <laughs> for. <laughs> like by definition, they're like, don't get up. Just where keep you, learning. Where do you take someone out in Santa Cruz that they're just so, willing starting to learn? Because so that's a, that's got to be one of the toughest places to start out, you so know, especially a, as an adult. What happens is there's a spot on the I think it's on the west side, which near Steamer Lane. Now Steamer Lane is known to be a very big wave, usually, especially if it gets big. I mean, it gets can get really big, and it can feel like a really big open ocean wave. And you're surfing basically into like a wall almost like a, there's like yeah, a cliff yeah. that sticks out and you have to get past that. So if it's like small, you could be surfing straight into that cliff. Wait, is so, Steamer the one that it like sort of narrows out, like the wave doesn't uh, spread, it kind of like pushes a channel? It Basically what it does is it's got like two solid peaks, one in one place and, and one a little more to the, I believe to the south. Yeah, one more, a little bit more to the south of it. And the one to the south is actually bigger than the one to the north. Anyway, long, long short is if you go all the way around that cove from there, there's like a small like longboard spot because oh. it's like end, 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 end of that way. That's, <laughs> that's always the case. Yeah, that's the same at the hook. I remember going in the, at the hook the first time and uh, sitting through a few sets and then be like, uh, what's going on down there? He's like, oh, that's sharks. It's really just kind of slow and uh, waves are, are, you know, not really worth it. I was like, I'll go paddle out down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> so, sounds, sounds perfect for the you know, first uh, time. So, right, exactly. So, um, so that I would take them out there and it's a very slow, very easy wave to learn on. It's not the, actually the best 
way I've ever taught on. The best wave I've ever taught on was in Malibu. And what would happen is it would, the wave would break outside, then it would get deep water, and then it would break again on the inside. So what happens is if you go to that outside spot and you push people into it, the wave never really gets that intense. And then it also just sort of dies out. So you don't get like, if you fall off, you don't get run over by like a, you know, freight yeah, train of white water. It's not so intense. So as I was, as the, those people showed up to learn and they had, and it was the father of the family, the mother of the family, the mother did not end up surfing. The father did for a little while. And then there, the, he had four kids, two boys and two girls. The girl, there's an, there's an idea in Judaism that you're supposed to be, um, you're not supposed to wear revealing clothing. Okay. So one of the daughters felt that she, that the wetsuit was too revealing and she wore like a nightgown. The okay. wetsuit was too revealing. The full because it was so tight fitting. It was oh. so tight fitting. She didn't want people. To see. <laughs> so and not I, revealing. It was just form. Yeah, got it. It was form fitting and revealing, uh, showing off parts of her she did not feel comfortable with. So she wore this thing from head to toe. I tell you this only because. <laughs> a muumu. <laughs> exactly. That was the word I usually use is a muumu. She wore a muumu, but she and her sister surfed so much better than the brothers. It was. It was unbelievable. The brothers, Even I would with push the smock? Into, with the smock, I, would, <laughs> I pushed one of the brothers into a wave. And I'm not joking. Like you're, the idea is like some people like kind of drag their feet up as they like they push through the push up with their arms and then they drag their feet or whatever. This guy was able to somehow get himself fully off the board into the air and then jump down so hard with his feet that bam, and the board would just skip Why? like a stone. Bam, and it would be gone. <laughs> And he would come back out and he'd go, I really did it that time, didn't I? And I was like, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and the sisters, I would push them and they would go all the way to the beach every time, standing up every time to the beach. They were amazing. And I was like, do you guys ever leave the, the school? Like, do you ever go outside? Like, what, what do you do all day? I was like, they really, it was a, it was a hard surfing lesson for sure. Oh, and they'll remember that the rest of their life, even if they don't surf again. It's just oh. one of those larger than life experiences. How do you, how do you describe like the physical sensation of riding a wave? Not, and not like the, the muscular, but more like the bigger connection. I, you know, sometimes I use the, the, I use a, a, uh, an analogy like a, and it doesn't, it's not a great analogy, but I sometimes use the terminology, a tuning fork that when you're surfing, you know how you said how everything just felt right. Yeah. If the wave is doing what it's supposed to do and you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? If you're actually turning in the right spots and you're using the right parts of it to gain speed and to turn and to do, and you know, and that can just click. And the whole thing is almost like a, there's no thought involved. There's mm -hmm. no, you don't yeah. even actually use much muscle in doing it. It does it almost on its own. It's amazing. Um, and I actually read a book. I was reading a book. Um, I'm in the middle of this book, actually. It's uh, it's called Surfing and Sart. <laughs> it's a philosophy, and, and this guy is a philosopher. I think he's a professor of philosophy, and he also surfs. So he was talking about the connections between. And a lot of the book I haven't really loved, but there was this one part where he was talking about how when you're really surfing, and I this was like, it rung so true. If you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing when you surf, you actually are so like in between being really on your game and doing what you sort of have a plan for and then also being completely ready to do whatever the wave demands of right. you at that moment. 
You cannot, you can't stand up on a wave and say, this time I'm going to get barreled or this time I'm going to do an air or this time I'm going to do this type of turn. The wave may never present you with that opportunity, right? Or it might present you with other opportunities. And so you need to sort of be totally reactive to what the wave's doing, but have some idea of a plan, right? Like it's almost like when you're going out with your family on a Sunday, right? You're like, we have an idea of what we're going to do. We, we think we're going to go yeah, do this, yeah. but up into other opportunities. So like, but when it, when it really clicks, and after I read that in that book, I had a wave um, like maybe the next week or something. And it was one of those things where it was like the whole thing just went boom, boom, boom. And it was exactly, and I was, and, and one of the last times I went out too, I went for a, I went for a wave and I was, it was on my backside. So you really can't see the, what the wave is doing. And I turned off the bottom and I came up to the top and I did this turn and I had no plan whatsoever for this, but I had turned right in the right spot so that the whole wave came like over my back. And like, so I was, I was actually turning right under the lip of the wave and I didn't fall. And I went, well, that wasn't planned, but that was amazing. Like, so it's kind of like there's this element of improvisation that goes with it as well. I think it's like dance probably is a good way to talk about it. Dancing with a monster. Yeah. (laughs) You you never know what's going to happen. How angry the monster is that day, right? How big it is. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is, is you got to do it so much and you're just like playing most of the time. And you don't get the same experience twice, right? Like basketball, you can practice a free throw. And if you miss it, you go back to the free throw line and practice exactly the same way with the same conditions. Exactly. In surfing, you can, you know, you can practice launching off the lip. But like you said, if the wave doesn't give you a nice lip and enough, you know, enough face to get some speed, you're not going to launch. You're just going to, you know, mush out on the top of the wave. See now that, that's actually the whole thing about what's what it, what do you make of the the new wave pools that they have, right? Uh, let's talk about that another time. I want to keep I want to keep on the spiritual side. Okay, I think, all right. Well, only reason I brought that up is because they've sterilized something unbelievably. But it's sexy. it's not even. But in some ways, it's the first time surfing, and we again we won't go into this now. But it's the first time surfing has ever had what you're talking about. I want to practice doing X. And, the, and this machine can actually produce a wave that will do it every single time. Now, again, so that's, why, that's why I don't I don't think it would be good to keep talking, because if we're talking about the spirituality of surfing, it's taken out the mystery and the yeah. immensity of the ocean and the feeling of, you know, camaraderie and bonding while you're just, you know, floating around with 12 dudes you don't know. Uh, sure. But not I, only that, just the, how about the fact that a wave, right, any wave in the ocean is like a snowflake. It's never going to be the same wave twice. Something will always be different about a wave, right? It's not going to do the exact same thing. It's going to be angled a little bit different. It's going to be, right, the wind comes across it this way. It's, they're, they're, everyone considers them snowflakes, right? They change every single time. So you could, you, the, the element that you're talking about, which I think is also the, it can be the extremely spiritual side of it as well, is I never know what I'm going to get when I'm going in the morning. I have a sense that like, I think the waves are going to be this big. I think the wind is going to do this and this, but you never know. And there are times where even when you think all the elements are going to come together, they don't. Yeah. Then there are times where all the elements come together. And then the, the, the reason that you get so addicted to it is because it's this lottery element. You just, you don't know what you're missing. It could be the best day of the year of your life. It could be the best day and you overslept or you 
weren't able to go for some other reason. And so that's why you, you always come back. Yeah. So for me, the physical part is, is one of the most like out of body euphoric experiences of surfing. I mean, even just, you know, sitting outside and staring and waiting, it's just, I'm totally beyond myself. Um, Kelly Slater, uh, said something like, like the time you really appreciate surfing are the times you're, um, becoming one with nature. And I almost feel like, you know, I'm so in my mind all the time that that moment, there's so many, uh, you know, mixed, uh, immense factors going on that when it all comes together and you just totally, you know, you're, you're doing, you're, you're putting in a ton of effort, but you're also succumbing to the wave and what the wave is going to do. Like you said, it's just, I feel nothing. I remember when I go and nothing in a good way, not like, not like, right. no, right. no, uh, and catatonic, like just, this is amazing. I remember after my dad died, um, I called Adam and I was like, I need to come get in the water. And we, we paddled out at a spot that, you know, if you're not, if they don't know you, you, you can't paddle out. Mm-hmm. And Adam's like, this guy's with me. We're going to let him get the first wave. And I remember there was, you know, four guys in the water that Adam pointed out, you know, were on pro circuit or great surfers. And first set comes and, you know, that whole week leading up to it, all I can think about was, you know, my dad's dying and how am I going to get back to work and all that. And it was just a a wreck. And I remember this, the first sets building and um, these five, you know, these four guys I didn't know and Adam they're all cheering me on. They're like, get on it, get on it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I take a turn and I'm the only one paddling into this perfect wave and it wasn't too big. It wasn't threatening at all. And the whole time, even just sitting there waiting for it, I remember I felt nothing other than, you know, this sense of peace and calm. And then my body started moving hardcore to paddle into this wave. And it was still like, this is exactly what I'm meant to do. There's this, there's this physical, like your, your, your body, you're just so in tune with the ocean and the wave that, uh, there's no other way to describe it than you've become one with the ocean. I, and when I was prepping for today, I thought about this. The only time, the only other times I feel like I do surfing when I'm totally out of body are, um, during sports, during sex and after sermons, like, so surfing, sports, sex, and sermons. There you go. Everything with an S, right? That's what. Yeah, exactly. Because you just totally. I mean, there's these moments when you're like, you're so in. They call it the flow in some, you know, crafts. You're in the flow, that your mind is working in autopilot in a highly efficient way that you're not thinking about how to think or how to move your body. Yeah. Right. Like like some part of you is like, I got to take a right turn at the bottom of this wave, or I got to get around this guy paddling. But the other part of you is like. I just got to figure, I just got to let go. And I feel that way when I'm, when I'm preaching, I kind of lose myself at moments and I'll, people will say afterwards, like, I love the part about your uncle. And I was like, well, what happened? Where, where was I? I don't, I didn't even remember telling that story. You know, and it's the same thing with surfing. Like you can't, you can't describe it, you know? And I think the other thing is that with so many, I don't know, you, you do this too. You, 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 sometimes you'll let out a big yell, but that's the only place other than sports where I'll let out like a big guttural, like yeah. scream, like excited, right. you know, with total abandonment of what I sound like or who's around. Right. You, there's just so much running through you that you just have to scream to get it out in like a sure. powerful way. And you hear, you hear a lot of that 
you know, when people are comfortable with each other, people, people are sure. screaming, hollering a lot. It's cool. I think what's nice about surfing, what I found with it as well, which is definitely right in line with what you're talking about, I find that you get both things in the ocean, which is there are parts of the time that you're surfing where you actually are very, you can be present, you can be in your mind, meaning like you can be thinking about things, you can be processing things, you can be thinking about what happened with your family, what happened with your life, what's going on with your job, right? That's when you're sitting and waiting for waves. There's no way for you to think about anything else when you're on a wave, even if it's not a huge wave, right? That, but especially when it's a huge wave. When you take off on a huge wave, it demands so much of your attention that you forget everything else in your life. It's gone. And that is an amazing cleansing yeah. thing that you can have, that you can be no, how, no matter how you know, down in the dumps you might be, no matter how hard life, you know, it, there is this moment where you will take off on a wave and you will ride and it will be gone. It won't be there. Now, you might, when you pull out and you're finished that wave, you're going to sit back down and you might think about it again, but you got that break, right? And I, and, and honestly, I think if I'm, I'm not someone who's ever done much drugs in my life, but I think that's why drugs are as addictive as well. Cause it sure. gives you that moment where you can get away from whatever it is that's ailing you. Right. And so to have that ability, you know what I mean? And I'm sure people get it when they play basketball, when they play soccer. Right. But there's this one-on-one -on -one where you're sort of where you're, you're by yourself and all you're thinking about is what to do on this wave and how to do it. And, you know, and especially, like I said, especially when it's big, like there is nothing else going on in the world as yeah. far as you're concerned, nothing yeah. else. And yeah. that's, that's a gift. Yeah, it is. And that's, I mean, that's the, the spirituality piece for me where it connects more to faith than, um, something beyond that is, you know, it's a gift. Like it's like God's, God's grace giving to us constantly. And um, even the bad waves, you know, they're still like these amazing yeah. gifts. The only time I, and, and the only time I come back into my body when, uh, when I'm surfing, I think is after I ride that wave in and I turn around to paddle back out, um, you know, and, and at first it's, it's a, it's a very, you know, easy, but a couple, a couple of times in, your arms are like noodles and you're trying to get around, you know, 12, yeah. dude, 12 people trying to pop on a wave and trying to figure right. it out. And that's when I'm totally like, I'm, I'm, I'm super neurotic. I'm like, Oh crap. What if I go this way? What if I go this way? Cause you don't want to just, you know, paddle right. all the way around. You kind of want to charge straight back out for the next wave, but uh, it's danger zone for sure. Oh, I yeah. found this. I, so I found this quote from um, Laird Hamilton that I really liked. I want to see what you thought about it. He says, uh, for those searching for something more than just the norm, we we lay it all down, including what others call sanity. For just a few moments on waves larger than life, we do this because we know there is still something greater than all of us, something that inspires us spiritually. We start going downhill we, when we stop taking risks. Very interesting. What do you think of that? Uh, I mean, look... I think there's something to be said there. I mean, I want to sort of qualify his statement with, you know, one of my favorite movies that he he is actually the producer of and star in. I'm sure that was not an accident. Um, it's called Riding Giants. Um, yeah. And there's like three segments in the movie, movie. One about the guy who was like the biggest wave rider in the 60s, the guy who was the biggest wave rider like in the 80s, 90s, whatever. 
and then the guy who is like the now guy, which is Leonard Hamilton. And he he said that, that when they when they talked a little bit about what's it like, he, they were talking, you know, a lot, you know who Leonard Hamilton's wife is, is uh, Gabrielle Reese. You know yeah, who she is? Volleyball, volleyball pro, yeah. So they were talking, they actually interviewed her and they said, <clears throat> what do you think, what, what's it like when there are no big waves? And they were, she goes, oh, he gets so depressed. And like everybody's like, and he goes, and she goes, he says, this was his quote. Um, it, it just imagine that you were a dragon slayer and there are just no dragons left to slay. <laughs> like, like the man has no identity beyond the big wave surfing. You know what I mean? Which is really like for where I sit, it's very sad because I, I can be happy. You know, I'll probably never be happy on a 60 foot wave like he does. You know what I mean? I'm happy as can be, even if it's two feet and it's good, you know, and it's clean and it's rideable to when it's, you know, but I think there's something to be said too about there's so much to surfing that you don't have to be taking a risk, meaning I'm happy. Um, I mean, there's always, let's be honest, there's always an element of risk, right? You're always in the water. You've got a sharp object. You know, there's, there's always things that could happen, right? That's for sure. But I, I personally have no desire in my life where I am right now to surf anything much over six feet. Like if it's all of a sudden, you know, now it's like, you know, it's 18 feet or something. I don't even know if I want to go out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like part of there's still part of me that has that like, you know, oh, come on, you versus nature. You can do it. And did it. And I've done it in my life. You know what I mean? Taking on bigger waves like that. But part of me says I'm just as happy if it's six foot and it's breaking well. I don't need a risk. I just want to be part of something that's that beautiful and that amazing. You know what See, I mean? I think, so, so back to the quote, I think that's what he's saying. I think it's not taking risks of riding the 18 versus the six foot wave. I think what he's saying is, is when you know there's something greater than all of us, um, it's a risk just to get out of your monkey mind. Yeah. And, you know, because just just the idea of me not working for a day or not spending time with the family to drive three hours, put yeah. on a wetsuit that's cumbersome, you know, yeah. check out the sets get enough, you know, coffee and carbs in my body to get me through the next couple hours and then paddle out uh, and then, you know, take a chance. I think it's a risk just to embrace that spirituality, he called it. You know what I mean? Not, I think, yeah, he, I mean, he's talking on a whole nother, he says the word wave for us and the word wave for him are not the same thing at all. Right. I'm, I'm sitting here handling like a, a park bench and he's riding a, a 17 story building. You know what I mean? Like they're very different animals. Yeah. Are they very different puddles, animals. Puddles for him. So, but I, what I, what I like about what you just, the way you interpreted the quote is that, you know, I, I've, I've interacted with a lot of people, uh, my age and older who, um, and usually what happens is I'll, I'll meet someone and they'll say, Oh, you know, my friend, he surfs. And I'll say, oh, great, give me his number, and I'll call the guy up. And when I call him, he says, I say, like, you know, hey, what's going on? And he would say, oh, yeah, no, I, I surfed when I was younger, but family, you know, work and business and this and that, I, I don't really surf anymore. And I remember when I was, this was probably, when I said this, it was probably about 10 years ago now, I turned to my wife, Leah, and I said, Leah, please don't ever let me become one of those people. Like, I... Don't let me get so comfortable in my life that I can't do what you said. Take the risk. Go out. Check the waves. 
get out there and surf. And thank God she's been amazing. I mean, I don't think like, you know, they say there's no, uh, what's that quote, you know, behind every great man is a great woman. And I do believe that. The only reason I am able to do most anything in my life is because she supports me. You know what I mean? And when you have four kids and you're trying to get back out in the ocean, you know, you need, you need her to say, okay, you can go tomorrow morning. Um, and I, and I, and I'm, I'm indebted to her. I mean, but that's, that's true. There is some element of complacency that, that sort of creeps in into people's lives and doesn't let them continue to do these things, which is sad. Yeah. And that's the bat. I think that's the battle that at least Christians talk about is there's this battle of, you know, the, the, the culture and the world, the values that, uh, you know, that are being perpetuated and lived and settled for and, and media's um, advocating for those cultural values are apart from what God wants for us. And yet people settle for them every day, you know, scanning Facebook feeds for hours instead of making a phone call and a true connection, um, you know, taking the easy, uh, easy lie rather than trying to work through a hard truth. You know, I think those are all cultural values. And same with surfing, like there's a bigger, more spiritual experience and connection out there in surfing. And, but, you know, most people, it, most, you know, most diehard surfers um, are either super poor because they're not making money or they've got to sacrifice other stuff that people value. You know, like Adam surfs every day before he goes to the pharmacy. And it's like, gosh, that would be a brutal day. I don't know how I would come home from work. I don't know how I'd get through work. I don't know how I'd come home from work right. and, uh, and you know, be present and energetic with my wife and kids. Um, I don't know how I would stay awake after 7 p.m. I know. Uh, I know. The but, early morning surfs, man, they take a toll on you at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You get up at 4 a.m. and go surfing, and then, like, it's guaranteed. Leia knows. She's like... So about three o'clock, he's going to get really cranky yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to be like nodding off in the chair or whatever. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's hard to, it's hard to do that. Um, yeah. I, listen, I, I think that um, everybody, I think what you're talking about is in conjunction with everyone has to have something that they really love to do and they have to figure out a balance within their life to have it in their life and have family in their life, Right. But, but I think you're right. I think people are getting, getting to this point where they think that, um, things like Facebook, things like, you know, all those sorts of things are bringing them some type of reward, but it's not, it's not giving them the two things, like I was saying before, the two things that I love to do, right. My Judaism and my, and my surfing, they both require me at some point or another to completely unplug from the rest of the world, right? On, on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, I have to completely unplug from all those things. I can't play with my phone, can't turn off and on lights. And, and so I'm completely unplugged from this sort of modern world that we have in that mm-hmm. way. And mm-hmm. surfing is the same way. I almost strip everything that I have that, that, that makes me sort of a quote unquote modern person and go out with this thing, this craft that somebody shaped with a planer you know what i mean usually it could be a machine these days but literally it's made it's made by an artisan who shapes it with a planer and then glasses it and it's me and the elements and this board and maybe a watch <laughs> that's like the whole thing and and in, in that regard i think apple when apple came out with the waterproof apple watch i don't know if you saw that they had an advertisement and they were like the apple watch is now waterproof do you remember what the ad was no, I didn't see it. It's a guy in a barrel, surfing in a barrel, 
with his wa- Apple watch on. And I was like, those people have no idea what surfing is. And they have shown <laughs> that right there in that ad. That is not what surfing is about. Surfing, if I were in a barrel and I had an Apple watch on and somebody texted me, I'd want to punch myself in the face. Like, yeah, it's right. like, what are you talking about? That's not, you're, you're totally not in that moment. You know what I mean? Never have I, never have I thought while surfing, you know what, you know what I'd really like to know? <laughs> what time it is. <laughs> or, gosh, gosh, I wonder what's going on with the news. That's today. Actually, see, that's actually my freest surfing. The best surfing that I feel like I can do. Like, what do I mean by not, not, not actually my, you know, performance on a wave, but my happiest moments of surfing involve me and I'm going to sort of double back on this in a second, involve me not having a watch on. And I have to do that. Like if I surf in the middle, I can only do that when I surf in the middle of the day. Now I'm going to double back on that. Why? Because I don't even, I don't even want to know what time it is. If I've got nothing to do all day, it's the greatest feeling I can surf for as long as my body will let me. That's, the, that's what I'm going to do right now. I don't even know how long it's been. Now I should, I'm going to double back and tell you that I got the, uh, the rip curl surf watch, which is this ridiculous apparatus, which tells me, how many waves I've gotten from GPS by GPS, how many waves I've gotten, how fast I've gone, how much I've paddled. And it's the stupidest toy on the planet. And I still love the thing. I <laughs> love That's knowing cool. how fast watch, the watch has an app like that too. You just, you, yes. you wear it and then you, uh, you get the info from your phone when you get back to it. Even cooler than that is that the, the Apple watch. And I think if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen soon. The rib curl watch connects that's how adam sends you everything our friend adam from college mutual friend who's one of our good surfing buddies he has uh the apple watch and it connects to uh the surf cameras that surf is placed everywhere so it will actually you connect somehow it syncs between the two things and it gives you the waves that you caught you can watch the waves that you caught if there was a camera there that's cool that's That's super cool I don't know if I'd ever want to watch myself, right? I feel like that would take out the spiritual element. Be like, yeah, be honest, I like a drunk praying mantis every time. <laughs> I do not want to do that again. <laughs> the worst thing to do is watch yourself. About, so. that's, that's the one place I never think about how do I look. I do not care how I look once I'm out in the water. Adam sent me a, Adam sent me a wave that he had a couple of weeks ago. And it's, uh, it's, it was one where he, he wrote to me and said, Couldn't find the exit on this one, which meant that he got in the barrel right inside the tube of the way, but couldn't find the way out. I watched the video of it. He he stands up, turns, the wave goes, well, blam, down on him. And like, he's gone. There was no, it wasn't, I didn't find the exit. I wrote to him. I said, I don't know if you found the entrance on that one, brother. (laughs) That was just a slap in his face. Well, cool. Well, good. I had fun today. It sounds like a good place to wrap up. Yeah, man. Uh...